0: Hey there, I'm Edwina Kennedy, registered pediatric dietitian and mom of two, and this is the My Little Eater podcast. Each week, I'll be dishing out all the best info on feeding and nutrition for your baby and toddler, answering all of your what do I do when scenarios, and helping you gain complete confidence in not only feeding your child, but in parenting as well. Every episode is filled with actionable and proven feeding strategies delivered by a mama and a feeding expert who's been there and done that. I hold your hand and take you step by step through all stages of feeding while showing you how to implement what I teach you so that you can raise a happy and healthy little eater of your own. Let's do this. Welcome back to another episode of the My Little Eater podcast. Today we are welcoming back Becca Campbell. She is a friend and a sleep consultant, and she is the mom of two beautiful daughters, and she consults thousands of families to help them resolve exhausting sleep habits. And she does this through her e-coaching programs and her membership, which all help to make sleep a thing. So welcome back to the podcast, Becca.
1: You nailed my introduction. I loved it. <laughs>
0: I've been studying it. And there you go. I yes. got it on the first try. <laughs> you did. I'm so impressed. Thank you. I love being here. Awesome. I'm so happy to have you back because when we did our first episode with you last season of the podcast, we did it all on newborn sleep. And it was one of the most downloaded episodes that we had. Like it went like super, super, I don't know what the word is for podcast, but kind of like a viral kind of thing. And it was so well received. So I'm very happy to have you back. And then this time what I was thinking is we could really focus on toddler sleep and just kind of do a little FAQ around it. I'm going to be 100% honest. I do not know a lot about toddler sleep at all. I was blessed to have kids that just kind of slept and then stayed like good sleepers, but I know that's not the case for a lot of families out there. So, I guess the very first question that I just want to dive into is one that's is probably the most common one that I have heard so far. And it's, is it too late to sleep train my toddler if I didn't already do it as a baby? So, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Right. Uh, no, it's never too late. So, I always, always want families to know that. It doesn't matter what's happened in the past year, what's happened in the last five years, 10 years, it doesn't matter. It's never too late to learn something new, right? Like it's never too, what's the phrase? Like you can never, you can't, uh, you can teach a, what is it? Shoot. I'm going to ruin it now. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's what, like, okay. like that same mindset. So if you tell yourself that, oh, I guess my, my child can't learn to sleep because they're, they're six years old. There's just no way they're ever going to learn then you're, you're kind of even setting that mindset up for failure because what about when they do want to learn something new? What if they want to go play a new sport? Like they're going to learn. It's a skill. Sleep is a skill. So of course you can always learn. You can always develop new habits. Now it takes a lot longer. That's for sure. It's not going to be as, you know, air quotes here, easy as it would be for a younger child, but there are adult sleep consultants for a reason anyone can learn how to sleep. It's just, do you want to? Are you ready to? Are you ready to really dig in and make some new habits? And you can absolutely do that. That
0: makes sense. Cause I just wrote a blog post funny enough this past week on is it too late to reverse picky eating if my toddler's already picky? And it's kind of the exact same thing, literally the same words I said. It's like, of course you can. You can always learn something, but it's going to take a lot longer and it's going to be maybe a little bit more effort. So something that might take maybe a few weeks or for us anyway, a few months to kind of get in place with like healthy eating habits, whatever. It could take years you know, for toddlers. So what are the main differences that you might see between sleep training a baby and sleep training a toddler?
1: Yeah, definitely a good point because you can do it, but it's going to be a different strategy, different approaches, different time totally different thing. For one, I always kind of like half joke that like now your kid can talk and reason with you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you can help a baby learn to sleep and they're going to just, you know, yes, there's going to be some protest and we've, that's a completely different topic on sleep training methods and philosophies, but they're going to, they're not going to be there to, you know, tell you like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to bed. That's the toddler, mm-hmm. That's a preschooler. Right. So you're, you're also dealing with their personality. You're dealing with their temperament. You're dealing with their, um, I don't want to say baggage, but that's, I guess that's kind of the word they Baggage of like what they think sleep is. And so when you're going into the idea of like, okay, it's never too late. I- I believe it. You may not believe it. And that's okay. If you are thinking about sleep training, your toddler or preschool or older child, you're never going to hit that point where you're like, I am 10,000% ready. You're always going to be like, Oh, this could be really hard. And I don't know if I want to do this, but it's always worthwhile. So the first place I want you to think of is like your end goal. You always want to start with your end goal in mind. So just the same as you're going to maybe talk about weight loss, right? Like I want to lose 25 pounds, right? You're going to like have that end goal in mind. And then you're going to make your small steps to get there. Our goal for your child is, I want to be able to say good night, have a fun and connecting bedtime routine, give them a kiss, walk out the room. They fall asleep within 15 minutes to sleep all night long. That's the goal, right? Mm. That's you're like, that's where we're going. Now that's not going to happen in two nights. not going to happen in 10 nights. It takes 21 days. Our programs are three weeks for um, older children and it takes every bit of 21 days. And sometimes it literally does take exactly 21 days. <laughs> For you to be like, oh my gosh, this is working, because it's just different, right? It's the same principle as eating healthy, right? I don't love eating salads or greens all the time, but you know what? Like, I'm going to some days, and then sometimes I'm going to be like, no, I don't want to do it, right? Like, it's that same thing. You're going to deal with your your challenges. You're going to deal with your successes, and it's going to be it's a process. And that's why I say for every single toddler and preschooler, this is a process, not an event. We have to be Mm -hmm. patient. Love that.
0: Yes, exactly. You have to be patient. And I think knowing, like you said, focusing on the end goal, then you know, and you, and if you have the plan, you know, the steps that it takes to get there. And so, you know, if you're like on track or if this is, you know, I just feel like if you're doing these one-off things, you're never going to know if this is like actually leading somewhere because especially with toddlers, it can take so much longer. So having that like overview, that full plan, it's, it makes it so much easier for you to get to that angle. So another thing, like what I'm really interested in kind of diving into in a bit more detail are what are some of those top issues, the big, big issues that people experience with toddlers and sleep and, you know, where are some places that parents can start to start tackling them? So one of the ones that I always hear is, And I know actually a lot of family members are dealing with this right now. Like my toddler wants to wake up, like they wake up at night and they want to come sleep in my bed. And like for the life of me, I don't know how to get them to stay in their bed. And like for some kids, they're scared. For some kids, they just, I don't know, want cuddles. Like for some kids, it's probably an habit, but like, can you talk to us a little bit about that issue about keeping toddlers in their bed at night?
1: Yes. So the only reason you would ever sleep train a toddler or a preschooler is because they've lost the confidence that they can't do it themselves. That's the only reason you would never sleep train a toddler or preschool because you're like, well, you know, they they're they sleep pretty good. They're just like waking a little bit early. That's not sleep training. That's kind of mm-hmm. nailing back your habits or nailing down your habits, you know, reminding them of things and expectations. When you're talking about like, oh, my gosh, my kid is like, I have to lay with them. They're coming to my bed at night. Everything's a disaster. Those are my people. They're exhausted, right? Like they're they're I hate that in my line of work you have to hit rock bottom, but that's just kind of how it is sometimes. But you don't have to. You don't have let me just like tell your listeners <laughs> that like you don't have to hit rock bottom. But when you start to recognize that, like, oh my gosh, why is my father waking up throughout the night? They're coming to my room. The the whole premise is that they've lost their confidence. They don't know how to do this themselves. They firmly believe that, well, I can't. You have to help me. You have to help me, right? You have to help me do this. And I, I speak about this like just as openly as my four-year-old Hattie is convinced that she can't put her pants on or put her shoes on by herself. I've watched that girl do it. Sometimes she's just like, she doesn't want to, right? This is a little bit different than that. You know, in this instance, Hattie is just pulling my leg. Like, come on, I don't want to do it. I'm lazy. You do it for myself. In the sleep training, a toddler or preschool situation, like they literally don't believe in themselves that they can get in that bed close their eyes and go to sleep on their own because now they've been either conditioned or they've been looking for, well, someone else has to do that for me. So confidence is the underlying principle. And that's like, no parent wants to know that like, Oh my, my kid's not confident. Like every, every parent wants a confident child, but if your kid is waking up all night long, coming to your room, they're not confident they can't do it themselves. And you can't decide in the middle of the night, like, Oh, well now I'm going to help them, you know, learn how to sleep. It doesn't start just in the middle of the night, just like you know, working through healthy eating habits doesn't start just in the middle of the day or, you know, at breakfast one morning on a whim, like you have to kind of make a plan for it. So I always like to start a bedtime routine. And bedtime routine is the best place to get them confident in knowing how they go to sleep because that's the beginning. That's the beginning of your journey into going to bed. It doesn't start during the day. It really starts a bedtime routine. So you can't just decide in the middle of the night or decide one morning at 6am when you're tired. Like you have to think through what you want to do. Think through if there's a sleep training method, which I would never suggest a method that uh, allows your child to do it independently right from the start. You still have to be involved with them. You have, we Mm -hmm. use stay in the room methods. So you have to be with them and encourage them, but you have to be there during the bedtime routine. My biggest thing is to have that connection with them, right? Like you're having that um, one-on-one time. You're reading books with them. Maybe you're playing with them. But it all begins at bedtime routine where you feel like, well, you just said, be more involved, right? Like I want you to be more involved in bedtime routine. How is that helping them build their confidence? Because if you can give them you in a set time parameter, and then they know when this, when I hit that pillow, okay, this time is done. This is all time management, really, but it's just helping them know and understand like, okay, I can have this hint here, but then when this happens, it's it's all on me. And you're slowly building that confidence with them. But that's the only reason you would ever sleep train a preschooler or a toddler is because they've completely lost their confidence that they can do it themselves. They just don't even have a
0: clue anymore. So interesting. Okay. And then kind of following that thought, do you often see that this becomes a problem when maybe a new sibling comes Into the family, or maybe the family's moving homes, or like any type of anxiety or like transition is happening. Is that common
1: for them to be? Yeah. Oh, for sure. So you could have a kid who's like a great sleeper, everything's fine, and then we'll get the SOS email literally, SOS, my kid can't sleep, and we just had a new baby last week. What can I do? Uh, Help me right now. You know, they're coming to my bed, all these things. I think that that's the, not the wrong, I don't ever want to say that's wrong or bad. It's just not the, it's not the best place to be like, oh, we just had a new baby, so let me sleep train right now. I would say again, like my magic bullet is always going to be bedtime routine, right? typically when you bring in a new child to the family, whether that's fostering adopting or having a baby, you're sometimes neglecting the routines that have been in place for a while. And so if you can really preserve that child's bedtime routine, where you might've just been like, "Ah, oh, they know what to do. Like, let's just hurry up and get them to bed. My girls can feel when I'm like rushing them to bed because I'm like, I'm done. I've had it. Let's, you know, and we've all been there. We've all rushed our kids up. Yeah. to the bed. They're <laughs> like, ah, I'm done. Go to bed. But then <laughs> It's so hard because they can tell that you rushed and then they're going to wake up. Like Hattie will be the first one. And I keep picking on her because she's my youngest, but um, she'll be the first one. If she knows that I rushed her, she'll be the first one out that door, like opening up her door and being like, "Ma!" Ah! mom, you know, I'm like, no, go to bed. Right. Because I didn't give her that routine and routines are so important. It's the same way that like, I can't skip my own bedtime routine. Like I know every night I'm going to take a shower, wash my face, brush my teeth, get my jamies on, get in bed. If I decide to not do one of those things, like I can't sleep. So it's the same thing for your kid. And when you do introduce maybe something new or someone new, if you can preserve your bedtime routine that you've already been doing, or, or really making sure that right, maybe right before you introduce that new person or new thing into your family, that... You have that routine rock solid, and that that doesn't go away. So even when you do have maybe um, a family member come stay with the child while you're maybe again dealing with the foster adoption or new baby situation, someone else can do that routine. Your child's not depending on you to do that routine. It's just that they have this routine, they're doing it, and it doesn't matter who's there with them. They can still have that sense of normalcy and then go to bed. So yes, you definitely can kind of slip off the rails a little bit when you introduce a new sibling to the family. But I would again, go back to making sure their routines are in place and they have the same expectations and we have not just like ripped those away.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a huge importance on the bedtime routine. I'm just thinking as you're speaking of my own kids who are not babies, they're not toddlers. They are like 10 and 12 they still ask me to like, we say a prayer. We don't really read anymore that they read on their own, but we always like have some kind of like recap of the day. And then they're always like, mom, like, can you rub my back and sing me a lullaby? And like, I still do that. Like last night I did that for my 12 year old son. And every night I'm like, I wonder when this is going to end, just like soak it all in. But I just will say is like, they still crave it. And I do notice even at this age, if there are nights where I am like exhausted, I'm like, just put yourselves to bed, they are needier. Like they are needier the next day, or like, yes, my younger one will get up and be like, Can I have some water? Like, you know, that kind of thing. So that's so funny. Okay. Bedtime routines, very important. Okay, actually, and that leads me into the next one. Like the next question is what about stalling before bed? So like i just said can i have some water i'm hungry you know can you rub my back a little bit longer can you can you read me another story like whatever it is how do you deal with that and is that common again in toddlerhood and preschool age kids
1: oh yeah Oh yeah. And you're going to find stalling um, happening in, it doesn't even matter if your kid is a great sleeper or they're not a great sleeper. Like every child, every child is built with this innate ability to be the master of stalling bedtime and pushing all your buttons. They just, they just know how to do it. And I think first thing I I would kind of suggest is like write down or think through, I, I like, I'm a visual person. So I would, I would write it down. Like, what are all the things that your kid is saying? Right. So for my girls, they have a litany, a very specific, like thing things that they want. They have to have socks. They have to have a tissue nearby. They sometimes have to have a cup of water nearby. Did I go potty? Did I wipe well? Like all these things <laughs> that's like, tick, 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 tick. and my oldest is a little bit more like anxious. And like, if she hasn't done one of those things, it's like, Oh, I gotta go do that. So what are all the things that you know that they are going to ask you? Cause it doesn't change, right? Like, are there, maybe they're asking you for one more book, one more hug, one more song, one more, whatever, like one more, this one more, that just one more. If you know those things, then I'm going to ask you to just go ahead and add it into the bedtime routine. And here we are with the bedtime routine again. It literally is so powerful, but this is why I love clocks. So I talk a lot about the toddler clock. I talk about the hatch clock or the Mela clock. We use that one for um, older kiddos, but the hatch is the most common and it changes colors. So I talk about a four step color system. I have a whole blog on this and I'm sure we can toss it in the notes, all that good stuff. But the blog I talk about is four colors and we're just using like a stoplight feature. So we're gonna have it be green. Green means go get ready for bed. So go get ready, it's green. We're gonna um, take a shower or take a bath, brush our teeth, get our jammies on. And then the clock is yellow and that means slow down. And at this point, We're going to look look at our child and we're going to say, okay, what do you need? Do you need socks? Do you need to go potty? Do you need a sip of water? Like yellow is your time. What do you need? And I would have it be yellow for like two minutes and allow that child to get whatever they've been stalling on. Like that's their two minutes of power time. Okay. Like what do you want to do? Uh, did you want to jump up and down one more time? Did you want to like give me hugs? Do you want to run around the room? Like, I don't care. What are you trying to do in two minutes? Like, what do you want? And when you give them that ability to stall or that ability, it loses its power, right? Like you give them that, like, what, what is it that you want? Okay. Now the clock is red. It's time for bed. Like, okay, well, I've, I've done everything I wanted to do. That time is over. Now the clock is red. It's time for bed. it's really fun to be able to give that time to them. And then red is time for bed. And then the fourth color would be blue or pink for morning time. Now it's time to get up. So I like to build in stalling during the bedtime routine. And like the four step color system is something that is really helpful in these situations. If your child, if you're thinking like, Oh, my child is too young. Like I think the force colors work well for like two and a half, maybe three years old and up. But if you're under that age and they're stalling, which is very Common, then I would just use the red is time for bed. And then maybe blue is morning, and right before it's red, maybe on your on your uh, phone, grab your phone and be like, okay, hit the green button. Okay, you know, one minute. What do you want? What do you need? And you could always build in like a little timer system with them, or just ask them, like, just ask them, like, do you need anything? Did you want to read another book? Did you want to do this? Because they don't have a sense of timing, anyways. So you could just be kind of looking at the clock, knowing like, okay, it's been about thirty minutes of bedtime routine. Like that's all we need. So anything else you want before we get in bed? Clock is red. So you can always, you know alter the colors just two instead of four, but using the clock for the bedtime routine is always going to be helpful.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. Very, very good information there. Okay. Now talk to me about toddlers who are scared to go to sleep. So monsters under the bed, it's too dark. I had nightmares. What do we do about that? Do you have any good tips and tricks for parents?
1: Yes. So it's not normally until about three years old that they start to say, like, I'm scared of the dark. You may hear a two-year-old say that, but then I would ch- challenge the parent back and be like, do they have an older sibling who is saying that? Are they like around other kids? Because most of the time a two-year-old, they can just pair it back and be like, I'm scared of the dark, just because they heard their sister. But that's not normally what's happening. That was happening for us. And when that happens for um, for a younger child, It can be a little bit different than an older one. So I'm totally okay with nightlights, right? Like we talk about having it be 100% totally pitch black, dark. Like that is optimal sleep environment for any human being, the darker the room, the better the sleep always done forever. But if the child is scared or they want a nightlight, I'm okay with that. And you can use the hatch. You can just let it be the red. That's my ideal nightlight because the color red is not going to intrude on their sleep cycles like a blue or a white light would. So red or an amber glow, like another would be a salt lamp. Have a salt lamp on low. Like I'm okay to have something like a nightlight. If you're going to have a traditional style nightlight, just make sure it's not blue or white. I'd rather it be orange, red, maybe yellow but the darker the redder tone the better so we can definitely have a nightlight i'm fine with that if they're scared if they're saying like specific things like i'm scared of something in the closet or monsters under my bed first i would be analyzing their screen time and maybe where are they getting this information from right like let's maybe let's cut back on screens let's stop watching tv for a few days um let's evaluate what are they watching reading all those things but yes you can do a little like um you know uh my my nephew we just did this with him like a little um, monster hunt right like i told my sister to go get like a little flashlight he's three and he's three and a half so they got him a little flashlight and that's part of their bedtime routine they go on a little patrol like a room patrol and because he loves paw patrol so it's like okay we're gonna go on a room patrol so he gets his little flashlight he turns it on and they go in the closet and they go you know he likes to hunt for the bad guys he's like andy let's go hunt for the bad guys any bad guys in here and they like go look in the closet no bad guys in here okay look under the bed no bad guys under the bed so that they just built that into their routine is like Their last few minutes before they get into bed, it's just something that they do. And again, that's just routine. It's fun, Um, but also it eliminates that any fear anxiety. Another thing you can do is clear out that room. I know personally, like I just feel like all sorts of like anxiety if my room has dirty laundry baskets. If there's just like junk on the floor. If your child's room has toys everywhere and it's just cluttered, clear it all out. Put it in buckets. Put it in boxes, and just clear it out, like bring it out of the room and let there be nothing in that room so that you have that sense of calm to be able to go to sleep. A lot of times clutter can cause so much uh, clutter in your head too. So I would definitely look at doing that as well.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I I can see that. And there's no monsters that can hide behind like, or under piles of things, right? Yeah, <laughs> It's <exactly>. all cleared. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Awesome. Okay. Last thing I want to touch on, actually, you know what, before I get to that last question. I just, something popped up in my head. How do you feel about teddy bears and stuffies in bed? I think I saw an Instagram post that you did yesterday or the day before on this, but I'd love to get a little bit of an explanation around what your thoughts are.
1: Yeah. So I love stuffed animals. Yes. I did a reel yesterday on uh, how if your child has too many stuffed buddies. So Hattie has like eight and Ellie has two, but there's no way that it could be the other way around. So Ellie is like a thrasher. She like moves all over that bed, and if she's moving all over her bed, those animals are gonna go everywhere. And her buddies are gonna be on the floor. She's gonna wake up being like, "Where to go? Where to go?" I once worked with a like a four year old who had to have his stuffed animals like arranged perfectly around his head, and if he woke up and they they weren't in that position. He's like freaking out. So we had to like work on like, okay, well we're not gonna do that. Patty is actually very similar, but she doesn't move around. She has like one spot in her bed that she lays, and all we only really let her do like five at nighttime, and the other two. Or like somewhere else but we she lines them up she does it herself they're all lined up in her bed and she's on one spot and all her buddies are lined up here and she doesn't have a problem with it very 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 rarely will she wake up and at like 5 a.m and be like I can't find my my cc and we're like Okay. This is so annoying. And it's so rare that it doesn't like, I don't change it really. And if it becomes a problem, then I would suggest like, okay, if your child is waking up consistently because they're looking for their buddy, then let them pick two to sleep with. And the others like go put them maybe on a floor bed. If you have like a teepee in your kid's room, like go put them in the teepee as their little bed or get a shoebox or something to be like, okay, they sleep over here. You sleep with these two and you can rotate them every night if you want to. But I'm, I love stuff animals because it's a comfort that they control. And that's great. Okay. So yes to the stuffed
0: animals, but if it's causing a problem, you got to sort that out. (laughs) Okay, cool. Okay. Here's the last question. I know this is a big thing for you because I know you came out with like e-coaching around this, but early morning wakings I know are like such a big annoyance and a big problem. When does this usually start to happen? Is it any different for babies who were sleep trained and what am I trying to say? Like for, yeah. for toddlers, I suppose, if they weren't sleep trained, do they start this earlier or is it more frequent or does it matter at all? Like kind of how the early sleep journey went?
1: Yeah. Um, so early morning wakings, anyone anyone is welcome to have an early morning wake. It's going to happen. That's for sure. And when I say early morning waking, I mean like chronic, like they're waking every single morning between four and 6 a.m. If your child has just woken up a few times between four and 6 a.m. and it's only been a few days, it's probably maybe summer regression. Maybe you've got to, you know, look at, are they feeling well, physical activity, all that kind of thing. But if your child is like every single morning waking up between four and 6 a.m., then the probably the first thing I would do for a toddler or a preschooler is to ask like, well, what are they what what's going to happen next, right? So my mom, when I was little, my mom taught me how to when I get up in the morning, which was at five a or five or five thirty, how to go to the pantry. Get my own cereal, how to put a VHS tape in the TV and watch a movie. Like, she taught me how to do that. And you know what? I don't blame her because she was a corporate working mom. Like, she didn't want to wake up at 5 a.m. on a Saturday. And she taught me how to do that, right? I would never teach a family how to do that because. Of course, if your child knows I can get up, and get, you know, get a giant, you do know, normally it's a sippy cup of milk. If I can get a giant, like sippy cup of milk and watch a movie at five thirty in the morning, why the heck would I want to sleep any later? Right. That's, that's what I get. So I'm going to do that. So I'm always going to ask the parent, like, what does the child think is going to happen? What happens within the first 10 to 15 minutes of them getting up? If within the first 10 to 15 minutes they wake up and they're like, no, come out, come which you and I have talked about this before. Mm -hmm. If they wake up screaming the house down for milk, hello, that's your problem. And we have to have breakfast with our milk. Right. And that's something that, you know, you've, you've shared a lot with our audience about that. So that's the first thing is like, are they, are they looking forward to something? Is there something that they get right away? And then the next thing I would look at is still the blackout. So a lot of parents are assuming as the child grows, Oh, we can just have light in the room. Now it's totally fine. I said it just a few minutes ago, but seriously, the darker the room, the better the sleep always and forever. Like you think about night shift workers, right? When they sleep during the day, they're not sleeping with like normal curtains. They have heavy duty blackout panels, blackout solutions because your body sleeps best when it's dark. It's the same thing for a toddler or preschooler. They may be telling you they're scared of the dark. So you leave all these lights on, but then they're waking up early because the early morning is the light of sleep. So that early morning between about uh, the last, generally about the last two hours of your sleep, that's your REM sleep, that's your dream sleep. And it's really, really light. So if you are moving around your house at 5 a.m., getting coffee, letting the dogs out, something like that, and your child's room is right there, they're easily going to be woken up because that's the lightest stages of sleep. So we want to make sure the environment is protected. We want to make sure we've got it's dark, it's quiet, or you've got your noise going. And we want to make sure that they're not expecting the best thing in the world, the moment they wake up. So got to, got to watch out for those two things. Yes. Okay. This makes
0: so much sense. Guys, this is all like just free info. I can't even believe how much (laughs) good information you've even just given. Can you let everyone know about some of your e-coaching programs and your membership and all that good stuff? How, how can they learn more get some help, you know,
1: take the next step? Yeah. So if you are somebody who your child needs you to help them fall asleep, and or also needs you throughout the night, they're coming to your bed, they're sneaking in your room, you can't get them out of your bed, they are waking up early in the morning and it's a disaster, then you need our e-coaching program. And this is our my sleep training program for toddlers. And then we go to we have a toddler program that is for 17 months up to three years old in a crib. And then we have a preschool program for three to five years old. We have had seven, eight, and nine-year-olds use our preschool program as well. So it's really um, some, some of them just book a phone call to maybe talk about school or things like that. But that, fit, that program is available for families as well. These are our sleep training programs, and we walk through very gentle methods to build your child's confidence that they can sleep through the night. So if you know that, like, I've got to make sleep a thing, that's your e-coaching. If you're just struggling with a few things, or you're trying to nail down the routines, or you're trying to maybe get the toddler clock going, then that's our membership. That's the Sleep Society, where you just got a couple of questions. You really want to make sure that you don't get too far off course. Then your membership, our membership, the Sleep Society, is going to be exactly what you need to keep sleep a thing. Perfect. Okay. Amazing.
0: I'm going to link all of that in the show notes for everybody. Becca, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. I know this is going to be another popular episode. So anyway, I, I love hearing from you and I love chatting with you. And again, thanks so much for being here.
1: Yay. Thanks for having me.